More Scripture reactions. memory verse tonight, Colossians 2.8, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of man, according to the basic principles of this world, and not according to Christ. Colossians 2.8. Anybody else? Colossians 2.8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of this world, and not according to Christ. Colossians 2.8. Good job. I think you did the same thing I did. Of this world instead of of the world. Um, we both did it. Yeah. yeah, you probably followed me. I've done it that way for years, but it's still good. It, uh, good job. It's of the world, and I said of this world. Anybody else want to try it? It's a pretty good one. Or you can well, do 9 and 10 with it, too. Because for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and we are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. That's 9 and 10, Colossians 2, 9 and 10. Uh, you see, I'm doing that because I want to catch all you guys that memorized it on the way to the door. <laughs> you haven't memorized it all week long. You want to read it, Ray? Is that what you yes. want to do? Colossians 2, 8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Colossians 2a. Good job, Ray. King Thank James you. Version, which is a good one. Okay. You know. Oh, go ahead, Ben. Okay. I'm sorry. You're fine. Tradition. According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Colossians 2 Good job. Anybody else? Colossians 2 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. <coughs> According to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according and not according to Christ. Colossians two eight. Good job. Good job. Anybody else want to read it? Try it? Share it? Teach it? Good job. Good job. I think I'm going to probably end up starting in verse 4 
and kind of give us a little background. What I want you to understand is that, and I think I share this a lot of times, Colossians is written to the church in Colise. Colossians and Ephesians are usually called the twin epistles. The content, there's so much of it that is similar. Um, I think it's in four, is it in verse, chapter four of Colossians, four, 16, he actually says to them, now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from the Laodicean church. See, because uh, circular letters often were passed around and read in different places so that it didn't have to be repeated. And so Laodicea was just a few miles away from here. And so that he wanted to make sure. Now, we don't have the letter that was written to the church of Laodicea. Or we would have it in here also, probably. Or it just wasn't canonized. I don't know if it's lost or just wasn't canonized. But anyway, the church of Laodicea, a very important church, Revelation 3. And you can read 14, Revelation 3, 14 to, I think, 22. That's your homework. Because it's really the church age that we're in. It's a, and, and it's... It's the lukewarm church. And we have to remember that because the lukewarm church is already, they're full. They don't have need of anything. And you can read about it yourself. I just like to mention it every once in a while. It's one of the verses that I first memorized uh, when I was in prison. And then I went, oh, no. And I thought I made a deal with God. Okay, it's good, God. I'll come back when I'm ready to live for you. And because, it, it, you know, the, the, the verses there is, I know thy works there, neither are hot nor cold. I would thou were either hot or cold. But since you are lukewarm, I will spew thee out of my mouth. You know, and, that, and it's very important to understand that you can't live in the middle. And there's so many Christians that try to live in the middle. And they think they're okay to just spiritually go to church on Sunday, but live in the world all week long and they're okay because they said a prayer once and they and they believe in God and we have to remind them that God says that he will spew vomit is the word really out a lukewarm Christian and that is like what are you talking about you know but he want he wants us to love him with all of our heart soul mind and strength and if we're following Christ as the example Christ gave everything he gave his whole life and it, it was a verse that I was like, oh, no, I'm not ready to follow you like that. So I'm backing away, Lord. I'm going to go do my own thing, and I'll come back when I'm ready to do that. And I thought I could make that deal with God. Obviously, now I know you can't make that deal. God wants you to come and serve him and not be good for nothing. It, it was really talking about the, the water that was brought into the city through aqueducts, and it would get there, and it was lukewarm. It wasn't good for nothing. You couldn't drink it and be refreshed. You couldn't bathe in it. It wasn't hot enough. And you couldn't do anything really with it. And they did all that work to get the water there. And then it was good for nothing. But you take a drink and you spit it out. Because it wasn't effective for what it was actually supposed to be doing. And so why would we have the Holy Spirit and be sealed and then not allow the Holy Spirit to use our life in a way where we would be hot for God? We would go out and we would share and, and, and live for Jesus. If the Holy Spirit is in us, all the power of the universe is coursing to us, and we're married to Christ, and we're, we're, we're privileged to be a bride of Christ that can, can become the helpmate of God, 
to save a dead and dying world. That's pretty amazing, really, to be able to do that. And it's not of us, it's of Him. It's, it's, it's by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There's nothing to boast in except Christ and Christ crucified. So it's amazing that we can live that way and go out and share with people every day of the testimonies of God. But I just wanted to mention that because he mentions Laodicea there in verse 2-2 that he had great conflict about those in Laodicea um, and they haven't even seen his face in the flesh. And we know that uh, the church in Colossae hadn't seen his face. We think that probably some of his converts, somebody that was on missionary journeys, somebody else planted the church, but Paul was writing them a letter because he had heard a report about them. So it's amazing, again, that Paul would write such letters to people that he's never met, that he doesn't know. And the Holy Spirit would move him to write such great content of instruction in how to live but he heard and he knew and he was fighting with and knew where these people were going, these, these people that were Gnostics. They thought they had great knowledge and they were being led by demon spirits and that's why he tells them to test the spirits. And they were telling people that they had greater knowledge than Paul and, and, and it was more than just Christ crucified and you needed to know these things in order to be saved. Listen, you need to know nothing but Jesus to be saved. That God, that, 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 that you agree, uh, or excuse me, that, uh, uh, oh my goodness, Romans 10, 9. That if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But when you do and you get saved, there's going to be evidence. There's going to be things going on. And I say this tongue in cheek many times. That when your name goes into the Lamb Books of Life, or it's on the Lamb's Book of Life, that it also goes on a list in hell. Your name goes on a list in hell to be contended with. And, and the enemy is going to come and try to attack you and lead you away. And, and many times people, don't, they don't like me saying that. But that's the best way I can explain it to you, that the Lord's going to allow you to be tested to see if you're going to live by faith and grow in the faith and go out and have a constancy in your faith or if you're just looking for some rabbit hole or some foxhole Christianity because you're in trouble. So there, there's a reason to understand that. So you might get attacked for a while. If you're not being attacked, you're not being tested, you're not being tried, then you need to go back and say, Lord, what's going on? Because if we're living for God, this world will hate us. If we're living for Christ the way the Bible calls to, they're going to want to kill us. They're not going to enjoy what we say to them when we shine light into their darkness. So anyway, I said a lot of that just off the cuff so that we get to verse 4. Because there is an enemy out there that's trying to rob, kill, and destroy us. And he does it just with the general sway of the world. He does it just because he knows our sin nature that still has to be crucified. Our sin nature and, and, and our flesh, the world, and Satan, our three enemies, they know exactly what our bents are. And, and, and they can even hone in on them. But just generally, we have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, 
and the boastful pride of life. That's an unholy trinity in our flesh. It's an unholy trinity that will cause us to be sucked in and deceived in areas and not even know we're being deceived. And so, literally, he says this to the church in Colossae 2.4. Now this I say, lest any man, any one, should deceive you with persuasive words. And I just wanted to start there because we open up with the content knowing that we can be deceived. Now this, it says any man should beguile you uh, in the King James, uh, beguile you with enticing words, not persuasive words. So I just wanted to let you know that it can be translated differently. Uh, and the beguile means to delude or to deceive. Or here's a good one for you country people, to misreckon. To cause you to misreckon. You know, like when you reckon that something's true and you misreckon because you've been given some false evidence. You've been given a lie. A fancy orator has said it. It sounded like it was good, but it was really earthly, central, demonic wisdom. And it made sense to the flesh, but it's just an absolute lie if you're in the spirit. And it sounds good to feed the flesh because this is the way I want to go. This is what I already want to do. But when the flesh is being dead and you're crucified with Christ and it's you who no longer lives but Christ lives in you and the life that you now live in the flesh, you live by faith in the Son of God who loves you and gave himself for you, now you recognize that is not good. That's feeding the old dog, the old nature, the flesh, and that will kill me because if I follow it, I'm going to end up in the wrong place. And so this is what he's talking about here. Now this word beguiled, deceived, New King James, it's only used one other time in the whole of the Bible. And it's in James 1.22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, beguiling yourself. Because see, we like to raise up teachers. We like a gospel that feeds our flesh. We like something that sounds good to us, but we're not led by our flesh anymore. We're not supposed to be led by sin and self and Satan. We're being led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. This is why we're always in reminding one another to get in the word, prayer, and fellowship. To find out what God has actually said. Because it's really easy to beguile yourself. To, to lead yourself astray by following something that sounds good, but it doesn't line up with the rock, the plumb line, the truth of God's word. There's a lot of things that are religious. There's a lot of things that seem good. There's a lot of things that make you look nice, but they don't get to heaven. They don't bring salvation. They don't bring redemption. They're not covered in the blood of Jesus. They're just simply not true. And we have to understand that, that how do you know what is true? Well, the number one way the church today can do it is actually read the Word of God and study the Word of God. And then be around in fellowship with other people in the Word of God. And then be praying to God, allowing the Spirit of God to convict you, test you, try you. And then at the same time, 
you'll understand what truth is. Because he's not going to let his children play too long out in the street. Well, why do they get a lie on their time card? Because they're not his children. They can do that with no problem. But you're going to get a butt spanking for it. You're going to go to the woodshed. You're going to get found out. Praise the Lord you got found out. Everybody else is doing it. That's not the proper response. Forgive me, Lord, is the proper response. If we want to be deceiving ourselves or allowing somebody else to deceive us into doing things that just absolutely are not a good witness for the child of God. Now listen, this is not being preached in the churches. You said a prayer, you're fine. Yes, that's true positionally. But practically, we're down here as trophies of grace, the bride of Christ, the helpmate that would be allowing the Holy Spirit to use us to come alongside others and share the gospel, to share what our husband has done for us. Our husbandmen, Christ. And you can't do that if you're living in both worlds. You won't be a good witness if you're hanging out at the bar with them and then tell them about Jesus. We used to tease my brother because he had the stranglehold ministry. He would share Jesus with you while they're getting drunk and if you didn't listen to him and you'd say, quit it, he'd put you in a headlock. He'd beat you up. Oh yeah, he was pretty hungry at it too. And he knew what he was supposed to be doing, but he knew he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. And then he would start to get a buzz and get mad at you. Because you wouldn't listen to him. And it wasn't nice. Anyway, so this I say lest any man, any one, and, and if you look it up actually, I mean, and we, me and Michael were talking about this, but the any one or any man does not just mean any one or any man. Uh, it also means any person or object see there's it's not just left to just uh, 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 it's, there's objects that can deceive you there's, there's relics, there's idols there's other things that can deceive you so you're really looking at anything and we're going to get down in a minute and see that why would you need to add anything to Christ when in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in him why would you need to add to the gospel why would you need to add to your life when you're already complete why would you add to perfection what would you add to perfection there would be nothing to add to it except empty deceit except philosophy except for tradition of men except for religious ideas that come from the rudiments of this world that are actually completely derailing your faith in the first place when we listen to what the world has to say. We're supposed to be the ones telling the world the truth. Not sitting around going, we want to be like you. Tell us some more, wise one. And I say that tongue-in-cheek, but they want us to believe they're the wise one and they don't know Jesus. How could they be the wise one when they do not know our husband? They do not know Christ, who is the wisdom of God. How could they be the wise one? Now, I'm not talking about doing it rudely and like a sailor or being mean. 
But you have to understand in your life, if you know Christ, you have more wisdom than they have. Now, I don't care if they can solve the, uh, the Rubik's Cube and all the problems of the world and they think they got answers. They don't have answers. I was talking about today. They haven't even found all the sea creatures in the sea yet. They haven't even found all the animals on the planet yet. And they would have you believe that they know everything about the moon and the stars and everything else. They have not even got all the animals and the fish and the bird life on this planet named yet. Seriously. I was thinking only think Adam how long to do it. Yeah. We don't know. Not very long. Listen to me. So we're God's helpmate. And the Holy Spirit is in us. He comes alongside to help. What's he helping us do? Walk this life out and be a witness in this grand courtroom graveyard if you're out there over here in the vineyard if you're here bearing fruit and, and, and fruits of righteousness growing and learning being equipped to go out and be privileged to bless them with your presence oh I'm not making this up I mean that's what happened with Jacob Jacob's name literally means supplanter and deceiver but when he come down to Egypt and was in Goshen drawing near to God, which is what Goshen means. And he went before Pharaoh, the, the most powerful man on the planet. He blessed Pharaoh. The lesser blessed the weak or the stronger. Because that's what happens. You and I, when we know God, we're the royalty. We're the one that has the wisdom of God because we have the spirit of God and the knowledge of God. So we can share with them, and we need to ask for wisdom to be able to do that. And you have to be dead, not deceived, dead to self to do that. Once again, and I love to say it, easy to talk about, easy to look at, easy to see what the words mean, easy to see on the pages. Very hard to die and allow the Spirit to use you in that capacity. But believe me, there's, there's nothing that the Spirit can't do. The power is there. The capacity is there. The truth is there. Everything of God is there for us. The privilege is there. The salvation is there. But we have to be the willing vessels that say, yes, Lord, and be there. So they deceive with or delude with. And it, listen, it means to deceive by false reasoning, to cheat by false reckoning. I mean, it literally tells you when there's a deception that it's false. It's a lie. It's deception. And the only, the only way to know when you're being deceived is the Holy Spirit to tell you. But the number one way the Holy Spirit really takes great care of it is we have the Word of God. If you're learning the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, you automatically know because the Word of God says specifically, don't do that. Or that's not true. But there's times when you don't know that you're being lied to by some really good orator or really good teacher. So you need the Spirit of God. And then the Spirit of God just puts a little check. Like, hold up now. What was that? And you just have this little testing of the Spirit going on. Like, what did he just say? And, and the Spirit that you're having a relationship with who's washing and cleansing you on the inside and shaping you up on the outside to be the bride of Christ at the banqueting supper of the Lamb, He just takes care of you. 
It's God in you, our hope of glory. Okay? So, um, and then we have the persuasive words or enticing words. Notice it's enticing. Isn't that what happened with Eve? God's holding out on you and it enticed her in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life. Isn't that what happened the other day when we were in, uh, listening to Naboth? Listen, it happened. We didn't see it in the text. They enticed Naboth by inviting him to a feast, making him the guest of honor. So now his pride welled up. He sits down there. He doesn't know. They're dastardly planned that they've already got two witnesses at the table to accuse him, and they're going to take him out and kill him. But he came to the table, their table. And he shouldn't have been there. He should have been sitting at God's table. He prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Did he ask? Did he question? Did he just say, you know what? That's right. You should honor me. Be careful with the haughtiness. Be careful when we get lifted up and go, yeah, they've invited me to be the guest of honor. Woohoo! Beware of a man who gives gift. Put a knife to your throat. His heart is not with you. They were trying to kill him, and they did, and they stole his inheritance to plant some carrots and peas and other things, not, not fruit. God had planted that garden. God had given that inheritance to Naboth. Careful. My goodness, easy to talk about. Easy to talk about it, but think about it. Especially when you come out of the womb and you're trained all along that you're supposed to be the best you can be. And you're put in schools and you're told to be the smartest in the room. You're, and you want to be. And you're saying that these people over here are the ones that are the best. And these people over here are the ones that are the smartest. And these people that do this are the ones that succeed. And you're given this entire falsehood. This entire lie that's set up to where you're chasing. And you got your ladder against the wrong wall. That's why parents need to train, not spoil. We're going to get there. Beware lest anyone spoil you, cheat you. What happens is when we follow the rudiments of this planet, we begin to train our children to follow the rudiments of this planet instead of Christ. So why are we surprised when they grow up and walk away and follow the world and live according to it shouldn't surprise us when we're training them to do the very lie that we were following because we're pushing them out into the same system. I better be careful. I'm getting ahead of myself. So it's enticing words. It's speech that is adapted to persuade you. It's discourse that leads others to err. That's what it means, the persuasive words. Listen, you need to learn this. You need to fight this out. You need to do this. You need to do this every day so that you can get to be the best at this, so that you can get a scholarship, so that you and all these things that we teach them, but we should be teaching them to live for Jesus, to read their Bible, to find out what God has created them to be. Not, little Johnny, what do you want to be when you grow up? But find out what the Spirit created you for. Why are you here? Why were you born? Why, what kind of a witness will you be for Christ when you grow up? Because, I, I mean, 
I don't know about you, but I look back on my life, and most people would look back on it and say it was a disaster. To me, it was a fantastic life because it kept me from being sucked into the vortex of this graveyard. It kept me from being sucked in and being something in this and, and, and stuck in my own pride and my own vanity and my own strength and thinking I was somebody. So when you're in the ditch, it's a good place to be. When you're not in the ditch and you think you have, no, I don't need anything. I have need of nothing. Yeah, I have need of nothing. I'm living the American dream. See, listen, the sad part is when you go read Revelation 3, 14 through 22, you find out that God's church, the Laodicean church, is in that same place right now. They have need of nothing. And they do not know that they're blind, miserable, and naked. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone will hear my voice, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and dine with you and you with me. Listen, what's the other part of that? I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Or we can sit down and have a meal together. That's the other part of that. I can spew you out of my mouth or we can have a meal together fellowship great joy and he who overcomes I will give to sit down uh, on my throne with me just as I have overcome and sat down on my father's throne with him amazing stuff yet we're so far from it oh yeah positionally we know Christ but we need to see the practical fruit of it to have the evidence to know that we're following the true Christ being led by the true spirit, following the word of God. I don't want to find it out on the other side and go, what do you mean? You don't know me. I cast out demons in your name. I remember laying hands on them. Listen, think about that for a minute. When you're going about following a religious system and living with people that are being religious, when you can actually test yourself, you can try yourself, you can put yourself on trial, you can know whether you're in the faith, you can work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and then rest the whole time. You can have rest and love and joy, because I'm telling you, when you know Jesus, the Spirit's there, and he gives you peace. You're not freaking out at every corner. Things can be turned upside downward, and you can be standing there while everybody else is freaking out. And have peace because you know whose hands you're in. You know who died for you. You know who sealed you. You know who bought you. You might not know what to do while it's flipping upside down. But you can have peace that surpasses all understanding. Because you know that he's got you. You know how it ends. It's okay. I shared with a, a, a customer today. She's freak. I said, just rest. The good thing is, is God's shaking up stuff in your family, in your children's lives, so that they can make a decision. Pray that they'll choose Christ and not the world to help them. Because we all go to the world for help. And God warns us against going to the world for that help. We come to Christ. The world pours more gasoline on our fire. Let me help you there. Here, take this can here and hold that. Stand real close to the fire. Okay, because we've been trained to listen to them. 
We've been told to listen to them. We've been told that a PhD is really good, but it really means permanent head damage. Because if they do not surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that's all they got. Permanent head damage. I'm sorry. I'm not being mean to any PhD. They need to get saved. We can share Jesus with them. So, um, so, listen to me. The point is, is that it sounds good, but it's not good. It's enticing, persuasive words. You go, wow, yeah, that's what I want to do. Because then they'll notice me. Then they'll see me. Then I'll head this up. Then the people will recognize really who they've been dealing with all this time. Oh, really? You and not Christ? Better get low. Or you ain't going to grow. So everything he's doing is to get us low. So we can always be on the grow. I'm learning all this stuff with you guys. We're growing together. It's easy to talk about. But we have to become doers and not hearers only, or we are deluding, deceiving ourselves. We're allowing these enticing words like because it feeds our physical flesh. We allow it because we like it. Think about it for a minute. It feels good. It's the place I want it to be. Be careful. That's the sin nature. Let's look. Five. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit. That's what I was talking about. See, though Christ is not here anymore in the flesh, he's with us in spirit. And Paul has never seen their face. So he's becoming like a type of Christ to them. I was talking about that earlier. And he says, I'm not there in the flesh, but I'm with you in spirit. And in the spirit, he's writing them a letter. He's encouraging them. He's sending witnesses just like God did. See, he's doing everything to try to, to, to bring back the banished ones and those that are being deceived by these Gnostics that are bringing them knowledge that is not knowledge of Christ. That's what the world is doing to us. It's setting us up with knowledge but if, see, Christ isn't the first fruits, and it doesn't begin with Christ, and it's not glorifying to Christ, and it builds you up, and it lifts you up, and it makes you all about you, then it's good old-fashioned idols, and it's evil, and it's going to end in death, and you're still playing in the graveyard. Who wants to live in the graveyard when you can be in a vineyard full of fruit, when you can be walking in the garden daily with God? Why run around in a graveyard where dead men are? Yet the church is, and they don't recognize because they have a form of godliness and they're denying the power thereof. They're denying the spirit that would lead them in truth. They're denying the spirit that would wash them and cleanse them. They're denying the God that died and rose again for them and is leading the way. So rejoicing, it's 5B, to see your good order, that's a military term for soldiers, that we're orderly arranged in line, in ranking, understanding our place, position, and everything about who we are in Christ, and the steadfastness, this is diligence, in moving forward of your faith in Christ. 
Notice where he pointed to. It's in Christ. Everything about that is following what Christ said. As you, good word, as, as you, therefore, have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Now, listen, this is not, this is not a, This is not some crazy statement. We receive him by faith. And if you receive him by faith, pistio is to entrust your spiritual well-being into Christ because you believe that he died and rose again. You're married to him. Then the next word is pistis. And it's, it's, this, it's, a, it's a, a, the same word, but it means a constancy in that faith. So you don't just receive him once, but pistis in faith, you keep in a constancy walking with him Peripateo, it's your daily walk with him. How you're living, you're receiving by faith, and now you believe everything that he says by faith, and you keep walking by faith. And we've even got it written down in a book where we can learn it by faith. And the Holy Spirit's here with us. And, and the only opposite of that is unbelief. I don't have any faith. I don't believe. So I'm not walking with him, and I don't think he's here next to me, and I don't think he's in the room right now. But he's here right now. And he's turning over the dirt in our hearts. And he's wanting us to receive this word and to keep a constant walk with him. And you have to confess your sin. You need to say, Lord, I'm sorry. You, not not to, to change him. Not to get saved again. As uh, 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 the Ar Armenians would say, every time you sin, you've got to get saved again. It's, it, it's none of that. But... But you, you, you restrict the flow and the work of the Holy Spirit if you think you can practice sin and walk in sin and do anything you want and say no to God. You have to be on the grow or you're actually killing the work of God. You're saying, I don't want your spirit to lead me. If you're still leading your life, you're saying you don't want the spirit of God to lead your life. He's not going to wrestle with you. He's not going to fight with you. It's a free will choice. Do you want me to lead your life? Because you're running around in the graveyard. I'm going to lead you onward and upward into heavenly places. I'm going to bring fruit. I'm going to wash you and cleanse you. I'm going to make you like your husbandman whom I see because I am God also in you. See, he's going to do all the work and he's going to finish the work he started in us until the day of Christ Jesus. But we keep wrestling. We want to be, ever seen them stickers? I hate them stickers that say, uh, God is my co-pilot. Really? Well, you're headed to hell then. You're saying, come on, Lord, let's go. Let's go get them. Instead of being led by, God is the pilot. You don't even have a license. If you don't listen to the Holy Spirit, <laughs> you're flying headlong into hell. I mean, that's the only other place to go. There's only two ways. I'm like, you're co-pilot. What are you doing? You're still God then. It's absolutely crazy. And, and if you heard that and you have that sticker, just take it down and repent. You know, just take it down and repent. Sorry, I'm getting out of control here. So, um, as the same way by faith you follow Christ by faith you walk by faith but while you're doing it that's six that's your life that's your choice 
Listen, that's six. Seven. As you do that, you're going to be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. You're going to mature. You're going to get roots that grow way down. If you choose to do six, free will, seven will happen automatically. You'll be rooted, which means to become stable. You're going to bear fruit. You're going to be built up. It means you're going to be reared up and, and, and built up on He's going to build up on you. You're going to be building and fellowshipping and hanging out with others. It's going to be building a holy house. Build up in Him. What have you been building up in your life? Bank accounts? Retirement plans? Careers? Listen, there's nothing wrong with those things. But if they're your focus... Now they've become your God, your idol, your work. We're here for the, for the ministry of reconciliation of souls. And as I always say, our souls first. And because our soul is being reconciled, we're going to go out as ambassadors and tell others, we're pleading with you, be reconciled to God. Because you're running around in a graveyard and you think you're doing well and you're really dead. You're dead. You're dead. I don't care how many times you said, I believe in you, Lord Jesus. The demons believe and tremble because they don't do anything. They're self-deceived. Rooted and built up. How do you, do you think you can teach the whole chapter, Greg? Look, in him and established in the faith. Established is really established. No E on it. In the King James, it's hilarious. It means stabilitate or stabilize. It's where the word stabilize. But listen, it means to make firm or confirm. Listen, what you're doing is, is you're confirming your life. There's evidence. There's going to be fruit. You're going to be rooted, built up. You're going to see it, and it's going to begin to build a holy house. It's going to be firm. Most people are walking around with sloppy fruit. If I get it done, it's okay. Oh, if I go to church, it doesn't matter. I still got my laundry to do, my socks to sort. I got all these other things I could do. I can go swimming today. I can go boating today. I don't have to go to church. I said a word. I said a prayer one time. To Listen to me. That's not establishing you in the faith. Saying a prayer one time. Think about that. How did that happen? How did that work in your marriage? How does it work in marriages? Oh, I told her I loved her. When we got married. And I'm being very facetious. But it doesn't work. The two become one. There needs to be a relationship. The head needs to lay down his life and die as Christ did for the church. And then, and, and then the woman needs to submit as unto Christ. No, the husband is not Christ. But he's being conformed into the image of Christ. And it's God's economy. It's not ours. It's not ours. He bought us with his blood. And we need to come underneath his government, underneath his authority, and follow according to his name and his spirit. And we're not responsible for the other spouse. So if you're the spouse, whether you're the female or the male, you find out what the will of the Lord is. Notice that. That's back up in that same chapter. Ephesians chapter 5. Remember? Awake. 
from the dead, arise from your sleep, and Christ will give you life. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Then you go all the way to about finding out what the will of the Lord is. Be always be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then it says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And then it says, wives, submit to your husband. This is what you submitting looks like. Husbands, lay down your lives as Christ gave to the church. This is what the will of God looks like for your life. I mean, this is what's going on. He gives clear, concise instruction. And whether the husband's doing it doesn't matter. Is the wife being faithful to submit? Whether the wife's doing it doesn't matter. Is the husband being faithful to lay down his life? See, because at the end of the day, all you and I are called to do is be faithful to what God has called us to do. What's the will of God for your life? Your sanctification. That's the will of God. Your salvation, if you believe, is secure. The Holy Spirit comes in and seals you, and now there's sanctification. You're already consecrated, set apart, and now there's sanctification, which means washing and cleansing and being used for his good pleasure. No longer your own. You've been bought by a price. So naturally, the enemy is going to come in and lie to you, deceive you, delude you, get you to follow your own pride, your own pomp, get you to follow the American dream, and some other religious order that leads you straight to hell. And so he tells us that we should be stabilized. Rock. Are you standing on a rock? Are you still, or do you still just fall all around? See, now if you're a, if you're a baby Christian, milk, you can still crawl around. You can still stumble. You can still fall. But as we get stabilized, as we grow, as we get older, and we see our identity, we become stabilized in our faith. And he says, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So now you're being thankful because you see that God, what God has done, what he's teaching you, the gifts he's given you, the abilities you have, what you should be doing. You're not surprised by even when, even when crazy things happen, you still know that God's got you and you can be thankful for it. You don't have to be thankful about it, but you can be thankful in it and for it because you know that God has got a plan through it. On the other side, it produces peaceable fruits of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Hebrews chapter 12. Peaceable fruits of righteousness. Now, isn't that what we want? That's part of the sanctification. Not to be spoiled, which is the next line. See, and that peaceable fruits of... Uh, uh, I, I wish we had time to go to it. We'll go to it Sunday. I think we're going to go to it Sunday in Hebrews 12. Because... We need to be trained, educated in God's system, not the world. Why? Because he says, beware, lest the dog bites you. You ever do that? I was at a customer's house and she said, no, 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 I'm putting the dog in the cage. Don't try to pet the dog. The dog will bite you. I'm like, oh, I love dogs. She said, don't try to pet my dog. It will bite you. She puts the dog in the cage, she leaves. I'm cleaning the house, I go over and go, what you doing, Poochie? Poochie quits, starts shaking his tail. Oh, you're talking to me, talking to me. Ah, ow! Dog bit <laughs> They're bleeding, now I'm trying to keep them bleeding on the carpet in the house. It was hilarious. You guys are laughing, yeah. My son, Ruth, even 
restriction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, well, that was real stupid. She told me don't try to pet the dog, it'll bite you. <laughs> or you got Peter Sellers, too. Remember that? You guys don't remember it. He walks up and he says, does your dog bite? He says, my dog does not bite. He reaches down to pet him, the dog bites him. He says, that's not my dog. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's the Pink Panther from years ago. That's not my dog. <laughs> we got to ask the right questions. Anyway, beware. Look at that, it's a big, big sign. It means to look at, to behold, to discern. Lest any man, once again, any object, anything, even if an angel of light comes to you, be careful because even Satan can come as an angel of light. Here's a good thing. We're going to help all the people do this. We're going to feed the poor. We're going to take care and dig wells for the thirsty. Listen, it can be an angel of light that sucks you in and wears you out and beats you down. If it's not led by the Spirit of God, you don't want to go there. It doesn't matter how good it looks. Good is the enemy of best. Good is the enemy of the will of God. Because we want to be led by the Spirit of God, not deceived by our own heart or by anybody else. And here's the word, beware, lest anyone spoil you, cheat you, King James. It means to lead away as booty. Bounty. It leads you away. See, if you let the enemy spoil you, he'll lead you away as his spoil. What happens, again, we're going back to children being trained. If you spoil the child, you think you're, oh, I'm going to be their friend and I'm going to take care of them and this is going to be good and I'm going to give them everything they need. And really, they're leading you away instead of you training them in the way that they're supposed to go and teaching them how to live when they get older and teaching them what life's about. You're just wanting them to stop crying and to stop breaking stuff and you're not teaching them discipline. You're not teaching them heart issues that will get them through life. And you spoil them and once they're spoiled, it's really hard to deal with it later. They lead you away. Here it is. Figuratively, it means to seduce. And the church to, the church that's apostate today, the church at large today, has been seduced by the devil. It's been seduced by the world. All you need to do is throw some money at the church today, and, and you can seduce the whole, the whole bunch of them. All you need to do is go to a church and then start slinging some money in their, their tithe plate and you'll seduce everybody in the building because they'll want you to stay. They'll listen to whatever you say. They'll change the carpet if you want them to. Listen to me. It's seduction. Isn't that what the harlot does? Seduction. To lead astray as booty, to lead away, to seduce in biblical literature, it means to lead away from the truth and to be subject to one's sway. Listen, I know you're of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of wickedness. Now pay attention because he's getting ready to tell you about the four-legged stool, the four things that's used to lead you away according to the sway of the wicked one, the world. 
1 John 5, 19, been my running verse, my entire Christian walk. The Lord gave that to me early on to remember that everything lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. Whose sway are you under? Whose drum are you marching to? What spirit are you led by? Remember, he, Jesus said that, uh, well, who was it, to James and John? You don't know what spirit you're of. You want to call thunder down on them, Lord? They call them sons of thunder. They got a nickname because of that. You don't know what spirit you're of. Do you know what spirit you're of? Do you know what spirit is leading you? Do you know what's driving you? Um, are you being cheated out of your salvation, your identity? Are you being cheated out of what God died, your inheritance that he gave you? The fruits that come from it, you're being cheated out of that? By being invited up to a table and becoming number one in the room and then he kills you? Listen, listen. when we talk about Naboth and his vineyard, he didn't want to lose his vineyard and he literally died physically and Ahab got the plant in his garden. But people die spiritually, just like Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts. And they came in and they lied to the Holy Spirit. They fell down physically. If that was happening more in the churches today... I think things would be a lot different. We'd have a room like this. Nobody in it. Five or six people like, I ain't going in there. People falling down dead in there. You don't tell the exact truth. The whole truth is not about the truth. You're going to die. What happens in the spiritual realm? If you think you can play with a little white lie, if you think you can play with the pomp of the world and be sucked into their prestige and think that you don't die spiritually, then you're confused. And that's what he's saying. Beware lest anyone spoil you. And now you're motivated by their words. You're motivated by their actions. You're motivated by their promotions and by their pomp and their prestige. And you're doing their work and you're led away as their bounty. And they're going, look, look what we got. We got number one electrician on the planet. Look what we got. Number one tree trimmer on the planet. Look what we got here. And go, wait a minute. They think they own me, don't they? They do! If you're not listening to Christ. Listen to me, this is serious stuff. And we don't even recognize it. Think about it. This is what con men and manipulation does when you learn the buzzwords and step into a room and you say something. Now you've got the whole room underneath your control. This is what CRT and all of this deception is about. You control the room. Nobody wants to talk about certain subjects because now it's going to make everything go crazy. But the church is always supposed to tell the truth. The church is not supposed to shut up. They're supposed to belly up. Let's go. Let's talk about this. Let's look at real truth. Put your stuff on the table. Let's see it. It's smoke and mirrors. It's a lie. It's deception. It's philosophy. It's deceit. It's tradition of man. It is rudiments. Oh, rudiments. Yeah, that's where it all flows up out of. And you know what? It's all based upon a dichotomy. But you and I know that there's a spiritual realm and there's a trichotomy. But they're trying to make us live in a dichotomy where there's just biology and their flesh there's no spirit there's no god there's nothing else we're going to live like monkeys and die like monkeys because we believe in evolution see it's so it's a worldview 
What is your worldview? If your worldview is creationism and God spoke, then you want to hear his words. What's he still saying? Not their words. Their words are lies. They don't believe in God. But the Christian has shut up. And you'll go, you'll go do this and you'll talk and you'll go, I'm going to live for Jesus. And you know what happens? The very first thing that happens, the guy that's been leading you around goes, well, I'm a Christian. Really? How come all you talk about the world? I ain't heard no scripture. I ain't heard nothing about Jesus. We've been hanging out for 10 years. Listen to me. I'm serious. How can you be married to Christ and never talk about him? How can you be married and saved and he died and rose again and poured out his blood? He's God of the universe and you're a Christian and you're hiding and only your hairdresser knows? Clear all Christians is what we used to call them. Only your hairdresser knows. You have to be pretty old to know that commercial. That's a Tom Camp joke. Oh my goodness, I'm getting lost in this. And we're running late, ain't we? We better tighten this up. Listen to me. Are you being cheated out of your identity, out of your inheritance, out of your field? Where's the fruit growing? How are we going? What are we doing? What's your gifts, talents, and abilities? The enemy's already stolen because we're too focused on careers and bondage and money and stuff instead of the kingdom of heaven, which is what we live for. I'm sorry. I get a little excited. I'll calm down when I get to heaven. So beware. Listen to me. There's a big sign hanging in the spiritual realm to beware because it's so easy to entice you look how easy it was for Eve we think man she went for that that easy he's holding out on you okay give me some more I don't think it was that easy I think I think it was visit after visit after visit I think it was it was lie after lie after lie till she believed it was truth I believe she heard it so much, and Adam wasn't protecting her, going, stop talking to the guy. He's a serpent. He's going to kill you. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. It ends in divorce. It ends in death. It ends in despair. It ends with depression. It ends with all of these things. And then we go, what's going on in the world? Where we're ignoring God and his word who gives us life. So beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy. Philosophy is pretty simple. It's a love of wisdom. You want to be wise. Look, Eve, it makes you wise. Really? Wise. Don't we all want to be wise? Some of us are wise acres but we ain't very wise <laughs> but then, listen listen it's okay to be wise Christ is wise he gives us him he's making us like him but they're talking about earthly sensual demonic wisdom because they're cheating you they're leading you away it leaves God out the love of wisdom or actually philosophy really uh, in a general sense probably the explanation is the reason of things that, that the osophy like God the, the uh, 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 theology is the study of God, the reason of God. And so philosophy is like the explanation of the reasons of why things exist. 
right? That's, that's really it. So you get wisdom. It's superimposed if you believe their ideas. Their ideas are evolution. I mean, think about their philosophy today in sociology. Same thing. Psychology, sociology, all of these. And they're trying to tell us that there's no sex. You can be a male or a female, that it's fluid. That's the wisdom of today. That's the earthly, central, demonic wisdom that comes from their philosophy because it's their wisdom. Be careful with them. So they're cheating you through, and through is always the, the act. It denotes the channel of the act. And what do we do? Well, we can't, get, we can't come to all of your house so what we'll do is we'll start a school and we'll teach these things in a school and we'll make y'all go to them. And then we can teach all of you the same thing at the same time. Where did they get that at? They borrowed it from God telling them to hang out and, and have be in the word prayer and fellowship. And then they take it into the, to the physical realm and they tell you lies and they try to make it a religion and a program and something that you do in the regular life instead of the spiritual realm. Because the devil can't make up nothing new. All he can do is pervert what already exists. The devil is not a creator of life. He's a creator of death. He perverts what God has given us. In every realm, look at sin. It's perversion of what God said to do. Every realm. And he twisted and he makes his own synagogues of Satan. And people are deceived and deceiving. But you don't have to be because the Spirit of God is here. The Word of God is here. The truth is here. Fruit actually becomes the evidence that we're doing the right thing. A life changing becomes the evidence. Doesn't mean a life being perfect. A life changing, growing fruits of righteousness instead of continuing practicing fruits of death. Unworthy, unholy fruit. So philosophy, it's really basic definition, love of wisdom and uh, the reason of things, the reason things exist. Empty deceit. Empty deceit is vain deceit in the King James. It just means empty delusion. It just means a lie. Smoking mirrors. Here, look what we're doing over here. And then the magician tricks you with his other hand. He acts like he took it over here and it's really over here still. It's just deceit. It's a lie. It's empty. It does nothing for you. According, again, Kata is used after, after, after three times. And it means joined with and among. After. After the traditions of man, after the basic principles of this world, and not after Christ. Keda, Keda, Keda. What are you joined to? This is what this is talking about. It means joined after. Tradition. Listen, tra tradition means transmission. Listen, you can have all the power in the world, and if you're following tradition instead of the transmission of God, what's the transmission that drives the car? You can have the engine. Ellie, you hear that thing purr? Put it in gear. Okay, ain't got no transmission. Going the wrong way. Doing the wrong thing. Transmission don't work. Ain't listening to the Spirit of God. It means the precepts, especially uh, the Jewish traditional law. 
it actually means if you're doing it according to tradition of man a giving up and a giving over to the culture that's tradition a giving up and giving over to the culture culturanity that's why I call it culturanity when we give over to the culture and we call it Christianity but we're living just like the culture it's according to the basic traditions of man which is means human faced not according to scripture but according to man the basic principles rudiments 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 is the basic principles of this world what's that mean well it's something with orderly and arrangement and so it's the fundamental listen fundamental the first principles that belong to a series of things or the whole of where it starts wow the world starts without God and no matter what they're teaching you if they teach you with a dichotomy that leaves out God it's always going to end in a lie because if you don't put God in there you have no truth and it's going to be all evil because evil is the absence of God. So when you start with a dichotomy, and the world does, everything that they do is a dichotomy because they will not confess that there's a God. But we know we were created in the garden as a trichotomy in the image of God. Spirit, soul, and body. When Eve listened and Adam allowed, it was flipped upside down when it became body, soul, and then spirit. Spirit was dead. The soul was confused. The body was feeling good in doing it. Jesus breathes upon us and it flips back upside downward. And now we're spirit, soul, and body again, reborn. So what's going on? Our spirit's married to God. And now because of the spirit, he's washing and cleansing the soul. And he's sanctifying and cleansing the body. We have to let him clean it back up and reform it back, or conform it back to his image. We become new creations positionally, but practically we're becoming the new creation we walk in that identity because of position but we all know that we're not perfect we all know that we're sitting in this chair even though positionally we're seated with christ we're ruling and reigning with him right now it doesn't start just when we get there right now we're the helpmate of christ to bring a dead and dying world back to him back into the father's house as the kinsman redeemer by marriage Pretty amazing stuff. Or we're listening to philosophy, empty deceit, tradition of man, rudiments of this world, and we're leaving out what the Spirit would say to the church. Listen, you don't hear anything else? No, that today God is dealing with his bride by speaking to us, and it's if anyone who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit would say to the church. The Lord is the Spirit. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Where is he seated at? Positionally, he's seated on his Father's throne. And when we overcome and we're not deceived and we're listening, we're going to be seated on that same throne with him. There's only one seat in heaven. There's only one throne. Because he's God. And he came to us in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
trinity, a family. And not according to Christ. Not after Christ. So we want, you see, notice it's Christ. The anointed, the Mashiach of God, the Savior, the one who's perfect, the one who lived a perfect life. That's what we're supposed to look at. That's the plumb line. That's the one that's teaching us. That's the one we're learning from. We are not learning from the world. The world has got earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom, rudiments, tradition, basic principles, philosophies. They've made up their whole religious system, every system they've made up. And they'll go, oh, the Lord be the glory. Then why aren't you following the Lord? Listen to me. It's serious stuff because their systems leave God out. The whole world is earning to sway the wicked one. And we are in the world, but we're not of the world. We're listening to the Holy Spirit. We're walking with the Spirit of God. For in Him dwells all the fullness, the pleroma, the satisfaction, the complete, every bit of the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The Godhead bodily. Only place that's ever used, the word Godhead in the Bible. And we are complete. So if we're complete, why would we add anything to it? Why would we look for anything else to help us? If it's complete in him, you don't need to add to it. You don't need a program. You don't need Jesus and. You don't need anything else. He completes us. When we see that anything else is cheating you, anything else is deceiving you, anything else is self-deception, how can you do better than complete? He's the head of all principality and power, all rule, all reign, all power. He's in control of it. He allows the devil to do what he's doing. He allows the world to do what it's doing. He's allowing them to do exactly what they're doing right now. That's why you have to be careful and going out in a physical fight against what God is allowing unless you be found to fight against God. If God's allowing it and all we're called to do is tell them to be reconciled to God, why would we be out in the streets fighting? Christ said it in the garden. He said, if this was my kingdom, my father would send legions of angels, myriads of angels to fight for me. But this is not it. This is not what we're fighting for. We're not fighting for this world. This world is, has been underneath the sway of the wicked one since the garden. God allowed that on purpose so that we would choose to listen to the Spirit and follow the Spirit and be washed and cleansed by the Spirit and married back into the family of God freely, not forcefully or creation like that. So that God knows he has free will agents that have chosen to forever enjoy his love for eternity. Not forced it. But we learn it, we believe it, we choose it. Just like we should in marriage, we should choose our spouse and choose wisely. Don't be unequally yoked. Don't choose somebody who's really dead just because of what they say. Look for the fruit in the life when somebody tells you they're a Christian. It's what's going to happen at the judgment seat. I don't know you. I never knew you. There's going to be a sword that goes in and divides at the harvest. Right now, we can use the word of God 
to understand that and be led by the Holy Spirit in the Word of God. So, beware. Take heed. What warnings are everywhere? Even when the boys come to Jesus, Matthew 24, when's these things going to happen? Beware lest anyone deceive you. See, that's what we're supposed to be focused on. Ministry of reconciliation of souls. And the enemy is here to rob, kill, and destroy you. I'm giving you a choice. Hear my voice and don't be deceived. All through the Bible, don't be deceived. Don't let your inheritance be stolen. Listen to the word of God. Comments, questions, concerns? Sleep aids? Joke. That was a joke. Father, thank you for your... Oh, next week. Next week, right? Write it down. Here it goes. Because this is what we do. The opposite of being deceived is Joshua 1.8. I think it's been like two years since we've done it. Or close. But it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Joshua 1.8. Of course, Moses is uh, um, dead. Oh, he's getting ready to die. Um, he's not dead yet. Because um, he couldn't have said this if he was dead. <laughs> uh, Moses, one drawn out, speaking to Joshua, who's coming after him. Uh, of course, Joshua being the, the, the Hebrew Jesus, he's going to lead them across the Jordan. And he says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you shall be prosperous, and then you shall be of good success. Joshua 1 8. That's what we want to memorize because that's going to keep you from being deceived. That's going to, and when you listen to God, it's going to keep you from being deceived and following the philosophy, the empty deceit, the tradition of the world, and the rudiments or the basic principles of this world, this cosmos, this orderly design. Father, thank you for your word. Pour out your spirit. Have your way with us. Lord, we know we're saved by grace, but if we save, Lord, we know that your spirit dwells in us and wants to use us so others would come to salvation. So we know there's going to be fruit worthy of repentance as we change our mind and we go the other direction and we begin to walk with you, to be led by you, to be your bride and your helpmate in the salvation of souls. Send us, Lord. Use us for your glory for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you.